<laughs> Welcome back to the Canadian Gumball Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Marley. I'll be your podcast host. Joining me tonight, special guest, podcast Brian. Hey, Mark. Hey, buddy. And uh, we have uh, we have a couple of sideline players tonight. We got Heather here. We got Simon here. Simon says... Don't start. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, Fireside Chats, uh, we're maintaining a healthy social distance. We uh, haven't been uh, too close to one another for all those of you out there that are very nervous about people still getting together because we've got so much going on in the news. I know Brian's throwing me the finger right now. He's not. He's on the other side of the fire pit, and uh, he certainly has some strong opinions about what's been going on. Uh, I would like to talk first, though, about the election. Okay. The election. <laughs> the election. The election. Is that, is that what you call it? You know what? Uh, whatever you want to call that. Uh, that $610 million waste of time. You know what? Pissed down the drain. I wonder how many I wonder how many water towers they could have built with $600 million. How many doses of COVID vaccine they could have bought. Oh, God. Or ICU beds. Or right. ICU beds. Yeah. You know what? So well, many- it's not the beds. It's the staffing, right? We got lots of beds. We just don't have the staff. <laughs> the what? We could have What? Paid their veterans. Yeah, you know what? I, I'd like to point that out too. Okay, for that for that gentleman, that that hero. Okay, and that's what I'll call him because he stood up in front of everybody on one leg, and you know, told Justin Trudeau that people are waiting, you know, uh, for help. And, you know, good, honest, hardworking, courageous Canadians that have served their country are uh, not being taken care of. And that was probably, what, now about four years ago? And he, he stood there and, and, and I, I was, my heart broke watching this man who's given limbs, you know, to the cause. Uh, like, so sad, you know, to hear Justin Trudeau say the words, our veterans are asking for more than we can give and now like i mean now more than ever if if anybody forgot that moment i'm going to tell you right now if there was ever any doubt whether or not there was enough money in the coffers to pay the people that have served their country shame on shame on right our canadian leadership uh, forever having the balls and the nerve to actually say that they don't they they were asking for more than they could give well i mean it's just a contemptible this is just a contemptible group of thieves, Mark. I mean, they're just—they're just—they're rifling our drawers right now. They're stealing everything. They're—they're they're, the foxes are in the hen house, and they're—you know—they're just—they're just rifling everything. They're—they're they're going rampant, and they're taking everything. And and you know, they have license to do so because they've got everyone so afraid of their shadows that everyone's afraid to get together and have Thanksgiving and take their masks off and do anything, you know. So. Um, the, the, the process has served its purpose. It has given the government unfettered power and unfettered access to our wealth, and they can spend as much money as they want for as long as they want. And if you want them to stop or you want them to answer for it, then apparently you want your grandparents to die. Yeah. So that's, that's the game. That's the game. And we're all playing it. And, and, and that's it. And, and, you know, I'd ask you to show me anywhere, anywhere in our law, in our constitution, in the Charter of Rights, or anywhere where it says that local health ordinances can override our human and civil rights in this country. You know, we're, we're, we're definitely going to get to that shortly. Uh, before we do, though, however, I would like, I would like to talk uh, and speak to the issue of uh, the election. <clears throat> All right. For uh, for all those of you out there, um, you know, you can have your opinions. You can think that O'Toole was a paid for shill, uh, whatever you think. 
Okay, what I will say is this, is without a doubt, and you could sit there on a high chair and say that the uh, conservative government didn't earn a single one of those votes, but at the end of the day, people were uh, presented with a choice, and it it looks like we lost 24 seats. 24 seats. 24 seats. Had there not been a PPC party... There would have been another 24 seats that potentially would have been swung in favor of the conservatives. And you may sit there and say, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I, I don't like some of the things that I'm hearing either. And yes, I agreed with a lot of what Max Bernie was saying. And I like this platform. And sure, you know, and hey, all these, uh, all these great things that he's talking about sound fantastic. But at the end of the day, if he's not electable and can't win a single seat, not one, not one folks not one not in his own writing and nowhere else and i get the whole it's got to start somewhere i get that okay but at the end of the day not one not one can can it start somewhere when we have a conservative government yeah like i mean you know something that can at least throw the binders on this thing so we could slow it down right from a from a from a gun owner's point of view yeah we just screwed ourselves okay and and we and and you and i we warned everyone we said this was going to happen Okay, and people wouldn't list. Ah, purple wave. No, purple wave. And it's like, look, <laughs> look. Here, here's the deal. Okay, it's the Super Bowl. You have a thousand dollars to spend to bet on one of the teams. There are two teams. It's the Patriots and the Cowboys playing in the Super Bowl. Well, I like the Steelers, and I think their coach is the best, so I'm going to bet on them. Yeah, but they're they're not in the game. They're not in the game. They're not in the game. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I mean, they're a better team. The Steelers <sighs> are just a better team. Okay, but but it's the Patriots and the Cowboys. You got to pick one of those teams because one of them is going to get in. Yeah, no, I'm I'm putting my vote with the Steelers. I'm putting my thousand bucks on the Steelers. And so you know, the Cowboys win the friggin' Super Bowl, and people are like. Well, where's my $1,000? This was fixed because I I, I bet on the Steelers. Well, the Steelers weren't in the friggin' game. They weren't in the game. Your your chance to win your $1,000 was to bet on the the Patriots. And and if you had, you might have won. But no. Now now we're all going to lose our guns on account of people... I got my integrity and I got my uh, I got my principles and I'm not I'm not going to deviate from them and they knew this would happen and that's why that's why the PPC which are basically the right wing's NDP never have to answer for anything they get to promise you the sky and they never have to deliver because they're never going to form a government all they are is spoilers so you know, there's a reason why they're being funded by some really shady, unknown sources of money. Um, you know, I just I just always look back at uh, past behavior. OK, uh, there, there was definitely a time when, you know, Max Bernie got my attention. Hell, you know, like, hey, I'm right there with you, folks. I, I wanted to believe that it was possible, too. It had me uh, for, for a very brief moment you know, second guessing where I was going to place my vote. And uh, and you could sit there all day long and say, well, you know what? 
O'Toole is going to take us down the same globalist path as the uh, the other assholes that we want nothing to do with. But at the ultimately, uh, I think it's it's important to note that uh, at, l- at the very least, O'Toole would have had to have explained to a lot of p- angry people why he would have done a complete turnaround on certain issues like the guns. Yeah, and it would have at the very least stalled things out a little bit. So if I, I at least we could have been arguing with O'Toole now instead of Trudeau. Instead of Trudeau, okay. Because you know where Trudeau's going. Now the handguns are gone. And at some point over the next two to three years, that process is going to go into play. There is going to be a conversation. Oh, I don't, They're going to gather them all up. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to take too long. I, I don't we think did it. I, I don't think it's going to take too long for them to make a move. Yeah, yeah we did um, it. We know. did it. This is not on them. This is on us. So well, It's well, not on O'Toole. It's not on O'Toole. O'Toole had to go to the center when the right wing started shearing off. Right? That's it, what he had to do. He had, we no, caused he had, no, place le- he had no place left he to go. He had no place left to go. The votes are all in the middle. So uh, he had what? to shear away from the right wing, which, you know, I mean, uh, Bernier is coming out and making all kinds of promises. And, oh, yeah, we're going to return Canada to the glory days of the 1950s is going to be great. We're going to ban this. We're going to ban that. We're going to stop these people from coming in, and we're going to get things back to the way they were. It's never going to happen. Brian, this I'm is, curious. Yeah. Do we know how many votes O'Toole might have actually gained from the middle? Like, what was the payoff for his move to the middle? We, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I would, I would, and I would hazard to guess, and this is just a guess, I would say probably half. So if you look I'd at... I'd like the, to see those numbers, because yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, like, um, about you know, 8%, post-mort- I'm seeing postmortems and discussion around the fact that if he had just stayed, stayed conservative, yeah. if he had stayed with his base... You know, that might have been the better move for him. I don't and, know and if moving fair, to the middle actually comment. gained him anything. That is fair comment. Yeah. I'll give you that. And I, I haven't seen those numbers. I, I, I th- want to see them. You know, I, I think it's very correct to suggest that O'Toole's people got very nervous when the gun issue came up and... Um, and they started pushing him towards the middle because the PPC were starting to rise. And if he had simply held on to his line, I think a lot of liberals in the middle would have said, well, he's not right enough for us to be worried about it. We'll we'll gladly vote for him to get Trudeau out because I think a lot of people in the middle wanted to get Trudeau out. But um, the reality is this this was one of the worst attended elections of all time, which I find interesting because I saw much longer lineups at a lot of the polling stations than I've ever seen. Um, But... uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm again. I'm not into conspiracies. I'm. I want to talk about the power that we do have and that we can do something about. And that is simply at this stage voting. And I think um, there's a reason why McKay and Harper combined the Reform and PC parties so that we would have a single unified position against the liberal juggernaut. And persons unknown are funding this breakaway party which is now acting as a spoiler and uh, and it's doing its job as i said if we've lost 24 seats over this we could have ended up with a uh, conservative minority which would have humiliated justin trudeau to the point where he might have had to step down uh, and we wouldn't be fighting for our guns right now we could have taken a breath and we could have we could have lobbied a new government that isn't as hostile towards us but instead everyone was willing to act reactionary and the minute you know o'toole started playing coy with the media over the whole issue of guns and stuff you know our our right wing our right wingers and our enthusiasts just jumped on board that and rode that rode that Bronco down the road like it was uh, like it was a big deal. 
I recognized what he was doing. You know, he was trying to turn it into a non-story, but we made it a story, and instead it lost us some votes. And as as you said, you know, I think they took seven to eight percent of the uh, of the conservative vote, and I think um, uh, no conservative vote. Conservative vote. The PPC, the PPC took uh, seven, eight uh, percent of the conservative vote, probably a few NDPers, but but mostly conservative. And you know, if he hadn't, if he had held the line and stuck to his conservative principles, I think we might have kept four percent of them, uh, about half. I would think uh, it would be reasonable because that's where we were last time. But even then, last time, what was it, Mark? Seven, eight seats we lost? You know what? I think it was 10 conservatively. Right. So, you know, like we're losing seats because of this now, and this is a process that the liberals clearly want to see continue, and we're playing their game. And it's like, you know, I really liked one of the comparisons someone made. They said, you know, you need to think of politics as as public transportation. It's not going to take you to exactly to where you want to go, but it's going to get you into the neighborhood Right, and then you can get there on your own. You hoof the last part. You hoof the last, la- the last part. But this demand that you know every politician give us exactly what it is we're looking for. If guns are your issue, and they are my issue right now because we're losing them, um, then you know you vote for the one party that is at least going to go against that general trend. And the conservatives have traditionally been our allies in this matter. And and uh, you know I understand that they had to play some politics leading into the election. I don't grudge them that. I mean, they're trying to get votes and we need to be their friends. And if we're not their friends, then we've got no friends. You know, we've you got know, none. You know, you know, what's interesting is I remember, I remember probably about seven years ago now, people amping up on Canada gun nuts, saying that they were going to punish, punish the conservative party for not doing enough of what they said they were going to do. And we're, I'm going to, I'm going to vote liberal this time to teach them a lesson. It's like, what were you thinking? Like, for all those people, please. For anybody that voted PPC this time around, I mean, hey, you can can believe what you want. I won't tell anybody the way you should vote, but I can tell you at the end of the day, you know, please. I know I met a lot of people that had learned their lesson from the first go around. You know, they, they, they saw Max Bernier disappear following the election, not hang out, not talk to, not have any communication at all with the people that had, you know, sweated it out, you know, hoofing it around uh, to all the constituencies and, and, and speaking to people and just disappeared, you know, and, and magically reappearing. You know, just as just as the election, you know, suddenly became an issue again, all of a sudden, yeah, you know, like, isn't that isn't that suspect? I, I think so. And you know what? Years, 20 years of being a police officer taught me one thing. Trust your gut. I uh, I don't trust any of them. Uh, let's let's face facts. They're all crooked as a dog's leg. But at the end of the day, I think we would have been in a much better position had we retained 24 extra seats if people didn't have the additional choice. And that's uh, that's where I'm coming from. And, and ultimately, I hope that a lot of people learn from this. Um, I'm not saying I'm right, and I'm not saying that O'Toole would have been any better, but he definitely would have, uh, you know, held this thing up just a little bit, or at least would have had a lot of explaining to do. Simon, you got something to add to this thing? Yeah, the PPC is basically the new reform party taking votes away from the conservatives. Yeah. 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 At the end of the no, day. No, absolutely. And it's oddly suspicious that he disappears, he doesn't talk to anybody after that, and he just happens to magically reappear, reappear right before election. the next election. Yeah. Like, Who's funding him? Yeah, that's what Where's I want to Where's the money know. coming from? Well, Funding, aren't they? Are I was they? reading that that they got they got enough votes this time that they are going to get government funding. Oh, of course, from now well, on. Well, well, and I'm they do sure they get to show up to the debates. Anyway. <laughs> Our tax okay, dollars next time, guys, it all along. In, yeah. in 18 months, 
<laughs> when we're going to have another election, Max gets to show up to the debates. That's a whole other ball of wax. You know what? And they have funding for their advertising and campaigning. Oh, God. Max knows how important it was to get the Liberals out of power. Max decided that his own ambitions were far more important than Canada's progress, saving Canada from the Liberal juggernaut. So I'm really not very impressed with Max Bernier. I like his policies, but you know what? When you never have to deliver on your promises, you can promise the sky. And he can walk in and say, yeah, well, people are going to be able to open carry AK-47s down the street in my Canada. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. Because you're never going to have to, you're never going to have to friggin' produce on that. You know, it's just like the NDP. They get to promise the sky. Well, you know, there's going to be a free Soviet friggin' party in everyone's garage when this is all done. And it's like, no, you, no it's not. Because you're never going to be in power and you're never going to have to answer to it. So shut up. You know, it's going to be liberal or conservative. And Yes, we may change that someday. Maybe some real leader like a Jack Layton will come along for the right or the left that might be worth voting for who has some real ideas. But right now, can we please just get this asshole out? Like, can we just get him out? You know what? I, you know who I'd like to see? Whoever, everybody would like to see run. Paul Vier. All right, Pierre. Yeah. Pierre, where are yeah. you? Where Pierre are would you? take where, it. Where where are you? You're you are, are a hidden hero. I would I would love, right? Love to see Pierre. Well, I, I told you the answer to this whole problem was Peter McKay. He'd have gotten elected. You think so? Yep, absolutely. Imagine oh. if we got to hear Pierre delivering those press release, you know, speeches, the way instead of Justin's nasal schmarmy. <laughs> acting voice still if gotta we get got elected to... still gotta get elected and the R- yeah, and, and, the, and, the, and the CBC doesn't like him be. why did the RCMP wait until after the election to release the information that they were charging the uh, SNC-Lavalin guys yeah oh I know yeah, yeah. I know, I yeah. know. You know, it's not the government that's running this country. It's the bureaucrats, and it's the it's the ingrained uh, bureaucracy. Nice and timing, fellas. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, can, can you concede that it would be lovely to turn on the TV and listen to Pierre just taking yeah. a strip off reporters? Absolutely, and, but he's yeah. got to get elected. He's got to be. He's got to be palatable to the center. And he's that's the problem. He's got to want to throw his life away and run, and people back out once they realize what's involved. Remember, guys, the swing vote in this country is eight percent. All our elections are are decided by. Be- about 8% of the vote. If the PPC vote this time had gone conservative, we would have achieved 45%, which is huge. We'd have we'd have destroyed the liberals. Um, we didn't get that. You know, we split up. We sheared off 8%. I wonder how many people just sat it out because they were oh, so lot. disappointed. I, I know people Was who it 52%? told me. Was it 52%? People who would have voted conservative most likely and sat it out because they were disappointed with all the options. And if those people had voted, what difference would it make? As I said, though, I mean, I saw I saw really long lines at the at the voting at the polls. I saw some. Oh, people were trying to wait till one in the morning, yeah, and we know, heard reports that people were turned away, which is not legal according to Elections Canada. Speaking of not legal. <clears throat> Got to tell you about my visit to Starbucks the other day. Uh-oh. Well, you know, I, like, I, I got into Starbucks, okay, and I was just picking up. You know, like, I, I, I don't make it a practice to sit at Starbucks. And, uh, you know, Dave Dave loves his mocha frappuccino latte foo-foo drinks. And, uh, you know, I, I just want a large black coffee. You know, I could get into a debate with the young lady over whether or not it's a venti or... <laughs> Just a, just a just a large black coffee, the medium one, the big one, that one, that one, yeah. And so anyway, she she takes my order, and then she looks at me and she says, "Will um, will you be staying 
in the dining area, you know? And I'm like, no, no. I said, why? And she says, well, because I'd have to ask you for your vaccine passport. And <clears throat> I couldn't resist. Here's this young lady, and I, I'm not looking to make her feel uncomfortable. She's sitting in front of me, and she's, you know, got this lovely mask on with, you know, polka dots on it. And uh, she says to me, you know, well, I'd have to ask for your vaccine passport. And uh, I looked at her for a second, and she says, because it's, it's the law. And I, I looked at her, and I went, actually, it's, it's not, just, just so you know. And she goes, oh, it is. It is. It's a law. And I said, no, it's, it's, it's not. She says, well, they mandated it. I said, yes, it's a, it's a mandate. It's not, it's not necessarily a law. And uh, since we're on the topic of laws, right, um, what would happen to me if I wanted to sit down? <laughs> and, and she got this startled look on her face, and, and I said, "I'm not arguing with you. I'm I'm really not interested in having any kind of you know argument." I said, "I just I just curious, like what would happen to me if I failed to produce my personal private medical history?" Papers, please. Right? <laughs> no, no. She, she, you know, she she looked at me. She says, "Well, then you you wouldn't be able to stay." And I said, "So let me let me understand this correctly." If I don't produce um, documentation that says that I've got, and, I, and I'm not saying I've gotten it, I haven't gotten it, I'm just looking at her saying, so I'm just trying to understand, you know, like if I don't have my papers with me, I can't sit down and enjoy my coffee indoors after I bought it from you guys. And she said, well, no. And I said, well, she says, well, head office is telling us we have to do this. And, and I looked at her and I said, that's really unfortunate because they put you in a really bad position. She goes, well, why is that? And I said, well, you know, maybe you're unaware of it, but, oops, one of us has got a rattly mic. Oh, there we go. I said, maybe you're not aware of it, but you've actually already broken three laws <laughs> asking, asking me for papers, right? Like, it, it, she's like, what? And I said, well, like, I, I don't mean to, you know, break the news to you, but like, you do realize that it's illegal to ask me for that documentation. And she says, well, no, it's not. And I said, well, actually, I'm a retired police officer, and I'm telling you right now, it is. It's in violation of, of several laws. When you ask me for my private and confidential medical information, that's something I would have to get a warrant for as a police officer. Even if you're a cooperative witness, if you're a victim and I'm there to help you, I still need to get a warrant to get that. Your, your private medical information is confidential, and it's not to be shared. And she kind of looked at me and I went, well, like, think about it for a second. Like, I mean, I, I, if I sat here and asked you when the last time you had a herpes test was, or if you've had an AIDS test, or have you ever had an abortion? You know, would you feel uncomfortable? And she, she kind of looked at me. She's like, well, whoa. And I'm like, well, no, seriously. Like, I mean, it's protected under the Privacy Act. You're not allowed to ask for that information, especially as a business. And you're telling me that if I didn't provide that to you, I wouldn't be allowed to sit inside. So that's discriminatory in its nature, okay? You're denying me a service based on my failure to provide my personal and private confidential medical history to you. So let's think about that for a second, right? The Immunization Act states very clearly that you can't deny me or deprive me of or refuse me services or products as a business based on my failure to get you know, uh, inoculated. And if you deny me right, services based on failure to provide, you know, my medical history, well, then guess what? Like that also is in violation of the human rights code. 
So, like, your employer is asking you to break laws. Even working in healthcare, I don't ask patients about information that isn't relevant to the work that we're doing. And if you're on the floor or you're related, you don't ask people about stuff like that because it is private. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things where you, uh, you know, you think that people would know better. You, you know, you, you want you want to have a good laugh. A buddy of mine, Lenny, uh, he just posted this thing on Facebook. So he got vaccinated. He got his vax pass in the mail. So it shows up at his house, and the the envelope has a sticker on it that says, "This is protected information under the Privacy Act." And it is not to be disseminated or shared with any people not authorized to receive it. Blah 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 yeah. blah. So, so the envelope shows up saying, "Don't show this to anyone. It's your private information." But now you got to go out and show everyone because you know, <laughs> communism. <laughs> well, you know, at the end of it all, it was very funny because this young lady turned to you know, uh, I, I think I think she was not shook by the experience, but she turned to the uh, much older employee next to her, uh, who immediately chimed in and said, "It's completely wrong." They shouldn't be doing this. I don't agree with any of it. It's wrong, right? And I sat there and I went, you know, see, she gets it. Um, you know, your employers asked you to break the law. You know, we had a thing in policing. We, we used to, well, term, we used to call it bullshit baffles brains, okay? I would uh, suggest to you that once upon a time, it was very commonplace. I didn't do it myself, but it was very commonplace for police officers to approach people out on the street and to say, right, hey, I want to see some ID. Empty your pockets. And you know what? A lot of people emptied their pockets. And a lot of people reached into their wallet and pulled out some ID. And it didn't matter why you asked them. It didn't matter what they were doing. You could do that. In fact, uh, people like Matthew Green, okay, caused a lot of havoc for the Hamilton police, right? This Odious is the, person. Right? Well, is. you know, like, like, well, you know what? Carding. Carding's wrong. You know, here we are. We're seeing people that are in support of vaccine passports and the demand, right, for these things to be presented, you know, in exchange for services, you know, regular everyday society living kind of items. Um, people are being asked to present this and, and, and the very same, by the same, very same people that were against carding. And so, you know, back to policing, I could tell you right now that, you know, people now are fully aware that police can't just randomly approach you and say, hey, give me your papers, Give me, give me your documents, identify yourself, empty your pockets. They can't do that. And most people have clued in. Um, by the same token, uh, the barista at your local Starbucks shouldn't be asking you about whether or not you've gotten uh, some sort of medical treatment and shouldn't be denying you service. And, and shame on the employers. Now, I get that they're in a tough spot, too. Okay, because a lot of these places probably took money from the government. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? They're under a lot of pressure. Okay, uh, certainly, certainly the uh, health community and safety community is putting a lot of pressure on them. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's a reason why Justin Trudeau came out and said, "We will support anybody." You know, from a business perspective, we're going to be supporting all you guys. Don't worry. Anybody that's subject to, you know, serious uh, liability or lawsuits, we're we're behind you. Don't worry about it. We're going to spend all the tax dollars we need to to make sure you stay out of trouble. Don't worry. And so the businesses are in really a tough spot. The employees in the businesses are in a really tough spot. Uh, The people that want to go out and just enjoy coffee like me are in a really tough spot. So, like, I mean, I I get it. It's It's a challenging situation. It's going to die a natural death because 
in Europe, they found very quickly that this didn't work. And so they stopped the vaccine passes. In Australia, they went the other way and they've deployed riot police in the streets to smash anyone who so much as lifts a finger to. Can you play. can you believe that they are firing rubber bullets yeah, at fuck people? Fuck Australia, man. R- Australia, Hold on, shoot, Australia shoot. can suck a giant dick. I, like, the news I, is they not used to be a cool country. You know what? The mainstream media, blocked. the mainstream media is not touching it. We've got like nope. we've got police officers that are lining up. You know, a la firing squad. And opening up on... And opening up with rubber bullets, granted, you know, but like, I mean, if you've ever been hit with a rubber bullet before, and I have, okay, it's not a pleasant experience well, and at all. that's what happens when you disarm your population. Well... All of a sudden, the police get real cocky. Well, you know, forget forget that. You've got... You've got Law enforcement. Okay, I, I, I saw. A seven, I don't know the. I don't know the context, but I did see. You know what appeared to be a seventy-plus-year-old woman getting knocked down and pepper sprayed by two police officers. Not a good look. Yeah, I saw that on one. Australia right yeah. now. Now, and I also watched the video today. Okay, of, of an Australian officer openly admitting that he doesn't agree with any of this, but he's got to feed his families, and this is a paycheck that he's talking about. Yeah, what, what does this sound familiar like? Well, right? you know what? Little, little frightening. The parallels, yep. but but I watched that and I was like, wow. Like that's real. Like th- there definitely is a guy that is is pleading with this police officer, saying like, "Look, you know that this isn't right. What your guys are doing isn't right." And the the officer, you know, to his credit, he's sitting there saying, "Look, I'm telling you right now, clear out of here, or you're going to get arrested. I'm trying to be good with you." And of course, you know, it isn't long before the gentleman doing the filming, and you can tell he's he's holding the camera low, and the officer probably doesn't realize he's being recorded. Uh, he says, you know, very clearly, like, you know what, hey, mate. Like this is, this is my, my wife is off too. And this is how I feed my family. And this is, this is how I I get paid for this. Okay. And in that moment, you know, and I, and no one has supported the police. Please just just get into the train. You know what? Police, police have received a shit ton of support from me. I, I, you know what? If anybody has any reason perhaps to be a little bit bitter and grumbly uh, about, you know, law enforcement, it might be me. And I love cops. I still bleed blue. I mean, you could take the badge off me but at the end of the day um I, I still i still have a lot of that law enforcement life left in me and it was so disappointing disappointing and saddening to hear this australian officer say this is how i feed my family it's a paycheck and you know what my mind immediately jumped you know to a different time in history where people said i was just following orders and i thought to myself wow you know what like people are desperate and you know they clearly are feeling backed into a corner and uh, that person that the officer was talking to express that and said people have no choice that's good you get to feed your family what about mine well and you know what i wonder what that officer thinks when he puts his head down on his pillow at night and you know what i think to myself could i live with myself doing that i don't think i could you know mark uh, dr peterson recently gave a, a talk about this and he was talking about um how people even people who understand history very rarely um identify with perpetrators they, they tend to identify with victims because that's the way we look at history now. So they, they understand victimization. They don't understand how, you know, most of the people in the society can behave a certain way. And he said, you know, it's very interesting. But if you wonder if you would have saved Anne Frank and her family, the answer is you would not. It's overwhelmingly you would have not. 95% of you would have not. And you can sit here and you can stomp your feet and you can, you can say, I absolutely would have. But but the evidence is contrary to that because um, the reality is, is it's a very dangerous thing to do that. 
And it's a very dangerous thing to go against what the government wants and what society wants and what most people believe and what the news reports and what everyone's telling you and what your friends believe and what your friends agree with. So the reality is, is if you had tried to save Anne Frank, you would have been reported. You might have been killed. You certainly would have been arrested. Um, and you may not have been able to do it because you didn't have the resources. So, um, you know, it's 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 all fine and well to say, well, you know, there's no comparison. And there there are different degrees, obviously. But but the mindset that resulted in those things is the same. Mm. This 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 desire to follow what you're told and what the news says this is just is ridiculous. This is a generation that could not handle being canceled on social media. Right. Like that would kill them. There there's a huge percentage of our population who couldn't imagine being canceled on social media. Uh, you know, so I, those same people definitely would not save uh, Anne Frank. You know, first of all, I love your point. Second of all, I would like to uh, I would like to point out that the coyotes are out tonight. Yes, they are. And oh my goodness, right? Like they're they, close. They are close. Um, you know, I'm a city kid, and. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear that if you're listening at home, but <clears throat> that's they awesome. They sound like rowdy teenagers. They, they, they do. <laughs> but, but, but you know what, though? When they, when they get within a few hundred yards, you know, they get pretty loud. They get pretty loud. And I got to tell you, the last time I sat at this fireplace and I heard them get what what I believe to be within a couple hundred yards, um, I thought to myself, holy shit. Like, if I, <laughs> if I, if I lived, you know what, like, where, you know, where's, where's a gun when you need it? You know, like there's still a lot of people in Canada that live in rural areas. And, you know, if I had livestock and I heard what sounded like a pack of wolves or coyotes in the area, you know, I'd be putting my shit away at night and I'd be uh, I'd be keeping a careful eye on the flock. Um, I, I think that it's really important for people to still understand. And I mean, this is this is where it all began, folks. Um, you know, Canadians are good people uh, when they demonstrate and prove that they can be trusted with the responsibility of legal firearm ownership and operation. And they live in areas where uh, there's a need to have those uh, type of items, their tools, um, you know, of survival. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of people in Canada that live that way outside the metropolitan areas. It's, it's really actually uh, very indicative of how uh, egocentric sometimes the uh, metropolitan populations can be. Uh, there's still people that live out in the outskirts that have a need for firearms. It's not just a recreational uh, pastime uh, or a hobby, as some of you put it. The truth is, is that uh, for a lot of people, it's a lifestyle and, as it so happens, a, uh, an important tool of survival. So uh, just coming around full circle to that, I think that it's really important that people uh, maintain a healthy respect uh, for the good Canadians that obey the laws every single day and own firearms and uh, the fight that we're in to keep them. Anyway, on that note, let's wrap it up. I'm looking forward to a nice, relaxing evening, uh, avoiding politics here at the fire. And uh, it's always good, Brian, having you here. Thanks for having me, Mark. All right. And Heather, it's great uh, seeing you as well. Thank you. All right. And Simon, we're going to ease you into this slowly, buddy. All right. I uh, I loved hearing from you here tonight. It's great to have you out with us and to have you on. Yeah, anytime. All right, great stuff. Okay, folks, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.